So I want to start. I want to start with um, one of my favorite questions. It's a pretty important question, and I want you to take it very seriously because I think it is very serious. Um, bidet or toilet paper? Hey, and welcome to another episode of Same Same Different. I'm your host Anthony Morgan, and I'm joined today by Natasha Morris and Kat Zlatanovich. We're gonna be talking about all sorts of fucked up things today, so let's get started. Oh, I have a clear answer to this. Okay. Definitely bidet. Okay. And this is strictly from my environmental science background, Ooh. is that there's way more water consumption using toilet paper. And like mm. a bidet actually probably cleans your ass like way better. Really? Yeah. You use more water with toilet paper. Yes. Because you the the, the production pro- of toilet paper yeah, consumes more water than it would take mm-hmm. for you to clean your ass. <laughs> Okay. All right. Natasha, how do you feel about this? I have never used a bidet, but then I YouTubed it and I saw people <laughs> Yeah, I saw people that were that using it for the first thing. for the first time and they're like, Whoa you know. Um, like, Whoa. Whoa. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. And some people were like, I totally dig it and some people were like, mm, no. Okay. <laughs> So, so you, I thought there was toilet paper still involved. I didn't know you could like have a wet bum. I'm like pretty <laughs> sure in like some of the really fancy Japanese toilets that yeah. they have mm. it like all in one. It's yeah. like so what, it is, cleans, what does that mean? It's like so it's like a bidet, a toilet, and like I I don't know what else. What There's other features it has? Heated seats. Yeah. Even music. It's like these crazy inventions supposed to make you enjoy going to the washroom but mm-hmm. it's so you are like super clean when you're done i'm trying to visualize this so i fly to tokyo yeah i uh i go immediately to a five-star hotel and one of their toilets i will skip over the next part but then i go to the <laughs> day so it sprays water like how does it is it like a water fountain or is it more like a pressure washer I've only used like a traditional bidet before, but okay. I have no idea. These Japanese toilets, I'm pretty sure some of them are more like, they require less water. So I would assume more pressure. Okay. But the like traditional European ones are more so like a fountain. So my worry would be for the fountain that uh, I don't have enough pressure to like, I mean, Actually I don't want to get clean. too graphic, but like, yeah, like is, is I mean, just draining it. You, if you shower, you don't just like run water through your butt crack. You you scrub that. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. I mean, don't answer that specifically, but, but <laughs> because you need like some of the mechanical like a force to like you know loosen. Let's move on. This podcast is called Same Same but Different. You guys have heard it before. Have you heard of it before? I have. I have. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, it's really blowing up amongst. Uh, I love it. Uh, but amongst my friend circle of people <laughs> that I made listen to it and asked for feedback, so it's doing quite well. Most of the disagreements that people have, I think, are surface level, and so um, the point of the show is to kind of get past the superficial language, because when you do that, people you realize people are really kind of saying the same same thing, and so we want to ask questions about weird stuff and hard ideas and and important ideas and you guys have very unusual perspectives i am sitting here with natasha morris uh, who is an award-winning playwright whose work has been presented in canada the united states and europe Uh, she's been recognized for founding the successful peace of mind festival she is the recipient of several accolades including summer works new performance text award uh, the ontario 2015 leading women building communities recognition certificate and the black canadian awards leadership certificate as well as featured on CTV's Canada AM. 
I'm also sitting here with Kat Zlatanovich. Kat is a master's of digital media student at Ryerson University. She's also got her Bachelor of Science in Environmental and Resource Science, Sustainable Agriculture and Food Systems. Uh, she's currently developing an app for queer people as a community resource for her master's research project. And we want to learn from you guys and hear from you guys and see if we can't like come to some agreements about what reality is and how we should think about some of these weird things. The theme for today that like some of the ideas we want to unpack is the role of science in society and like what what should science have to say about how society runs itself. Um, at the moment, I kind of feel like science can tell us what's possible, but society has to decide what's right. Um, but there's lots of ways to think about things. And so I want to unpack some of that. And I want to start with a weird question. Um, would you try lab-grown human meat? Can you can you clarify, like, human meat? Like, what are we talking about? Like, like meat grown in a lab. from human DNA. From human DNA. Mm -hmm. But it's just like... A blob of meat. It's not yeah. Yeah. So this is possible, technically, already. Like, you can culture meat in a lab. Um, so they just take um, the DNA from... They'll basically get muscle human muscle cells or, or any kind of animal muscle cells and they'll just make sure that it can grow they'll culture it and just grow a ton of it into like a big blob and then you can blend it up if you want and like make it into like ground ground meat kind of thing if you want but this would be lab ground it would be it would have human dna okay well this is a complicated question because my straight up answer is no okay um but at the same time there's already human dna in livestock that we eat Right now, like in pork especially. Um, what's that now? Yeah, I swear to God. Sorry, my background is environmental science and agriculture. This is deeply disturbing yeah. to yes. learn. So Whoa. it's supposed to help is with it? like um, like steroids, that kind of thing, is uh, for helping an animal's immune system and how quick they grow. So you can go and Google it later, but it, if you're talking strictly d like DNA, yeah. So there's human DNA in, like I go to the corner store or like the grocery store i buy my ground beef and there's human in that kind of yes it's kind of it's it's more complicated than that like you have to research it i like okay. i would pull up the facts right now if i could human but i also DNA don't want people to be like that's not true meat. you can't say that hmm. that's crazy i'm like i feel like i'm immediately vegan at this point yep <laughs> Like that was well, what I, just, I needed to hear. I've just Googled it. And um, so uh, independent, the Independent, uh, Fortune, and Vice all have uh, reported that it turns out your burger has rat meat and human DNA in yes. it. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Jesus tapped in in Christ. That's horrible news. Um, I guess, except that I would eat lab-grown human meat. So it's fine with me. But <laughs> I want to know why you say no. Okay. I say no because... I would not be able to stomach it knowing what it is. Not because I'd be necessarily... Okay. I don't... <laughs> this is There's so nuance. controversial. That's the point of this show. Yeah, There's yeah. nuance. It's it's that any type of like non-traditional meat is not appealing to me. Like I've tried rabbit, I've tried venison, but would I eat them again? No. I'm like, I'm strictly sticking to, you know, chicken, turkey, beef, pork, fish like that's it i any the thought of eating some kind of different type of meat just i i can't get yeah exactly i can't get past it and and i would not enjoy eating it so i wouldn't i wouldn't do it you tried frog no i haven't what if it's like most things taste like chicken frog tastes kind of like chicken <laughs> that's what people have said yeah yeah you think if you 
So it's not the taste. It's, it's not just... the taste. It's just knowing what it is. Mm-hmm. Just immediately, I'm like, no, I can't. I can't stomach it. That's the problem. Huh. Matt? Okay. Um, <laughs> knowing that I've likely consumed human DNA is hard to stomach at this point. Um <laughs> Apparently it wasn't. It was. It seems like it was easy to stomach. Well, I'm like, I knew there's something going on. <laughs> what is it? Something um, tastes delicious. I just think about like bad cow disease. I know cows are herbivores, but I just think there's some tie-in to like mad human <laughs> disease. Um, I don't think ethically it's it's right. I have no desire to he- eat a human. Not necessarily that I have a desire to eat a cow, uh. um, but I think I'd have more desire to. Eat- <laughs> So what makes like, it like it's never crossed my mind of like mm. <laughs> what makes it ethically wrong to eat a human? I mean, I just like, think you don't have a craving to eat another human. Well, not having a craving is different than not not being. Look, I, I want to say disclaimer: I have not eaten humans, nor have <laughs> I any plans to eat humans. Like I think murder is probably bad. It's a bad idea. We shouldn't do it. Um, but um. If it's if it's lab grown, you're not you're not murdering anyone. It's just yeah. like a lump of like cells, I guess. So it'd be like you ever done that thing where you like you're chewing your lip because you got like dry lips and you're like eating the lip stuff off your lip. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is that ethically wrong? That's not eating. Human. Yeah. No. That's... Why not? It's got it was human well, DNA. I don't was... go and buy like leftover like lip. You know? <laughs> oh my god. Pieces. That's true. <laughs> Dried lip skin. So, here's why I would eat lab-grown human meat: is that um, technically, it's the most ethical meat you could ever consume. I would argue, because it's the only meat you can ever get consent from to eat it. Like, if I want to take a bite out of somebody's ass, I would have to say, "Hey, do you mind if I take a sample of your DNA?" I'm gonna culture your ass, and then I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat it. And they could be like, "No, that's fucked up." And I'd be like, "All right, I won't eat it then." But if somebody's like, "Sure," then like I got consent, but you can't do that for any other animal. Yes, that's a weak argument. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So we haven't come to consensus on that one. Maybe we'll come back to that. I want to um, get to a few of the ones around science and society because that's kind of what I – those are some of the ideas that are really hard that I, I really want your help on thinking through. So um, in the United States, there is a fairly large percentage or a proportion of people who um, believe in creationism and not only believe in it but want to have it taught in schools – Um, For some people, this is obviously a problem because they feel like, well, the scientific evidence doesn't support that. So people would claim that they're indoctrinating children or something of that nature. But the counter argument to that might be that, like, well, we all should have the right to bring our children up in the way that we see fit. Right. Like that's part of being a parent is that you get to imbue your children with the values that you hold. And certainly most of us would be upset if we weren't allowed to do that. So the question is, should schools be allowed to teach creationism are we talking about like creationism from like different religious standpoints is that what you mean um sure i mean we can take a specific example if we want i mean we can say like the the idea that the world is six thousand years old and that god created the world and like stories of noah's ark and like the 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 idea that the bible is the literal word of god 
What do you guys? What are? What's your initial gut feeling on it? And then we'll unpack it. I think creationism is everywhere. Um, it's not just in schools. I mean, it's in the entertainment that we consume. It's in our national anthem. You know, like "God Keep Our Land Glorious and Free," and people just say it. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't necessarily feel foreign or outdated. I just think there's a probably a shift in North America where it's like, eh, we don't need church anymore. <laughs> you know, okay. eh, it's not really like making sense. I can't really tie myself into this biblical story. And I think that's where the conversation is. It's like, if I don't really believe it, why are we still doing it? Well, so I, I guess... Like, a lot of people do still believe it. Yeah, there is a lot of, of it. I'm yeah. talking about the people that Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then, should we allow for laws that um, protect people who want to continue to teach this in school? Or, like, because right now, like, the like there was a huge, um, like, dust-up, or, I don't know, nobody says dust-up. I'm, like, I'm like 58. <laughs> <laughs> but there was, like, a lot of disagreement about the changes to the Ontario's, edu- like, the curriculum, they changed the way that we have to talk about um, gender and identity and sexuality in schools, um, and that's an ideological thing, maybe. But mm-hmm. it's it's something that affects kids across Ontario, and and the same is true of like creationism, that it's something that affects kids across the country because of the laws that we enact. And so the question is, should we enact laws that allow for like those kinds of ideas? Like, do we want? Should we leave space for that? Like. A strong part of me feels like yes, we should. Yeah, um, I mean, kind of, yeah, go yeah. Ahead. I think that I think it is important to offer all viewpoints and perspectives to kids growing up. I think it's just be like being transparent about it, mm-hmm. like helping kids understand like there are other viewpoints mm-hmm. and science, like scientifically, this is how this is all we know, and there's no answers to that in the Bible or in other necessarily religious viewpoints but I mean I think now as well it's mandatory for students and I don't know if this is across Ontario and universities um, but for students to take one indigenous studies course and a lot of them are like introduction to indigenous studies and those include indigenous creation stories and I think that is super important and I think people should have to be open to that because you know this is a country that was founded by indigenous peoples and and we we owe it to them to hear their stories and and understand how they view the land and why it's important to them so i think it is really important to see different viewpoints like i grew up in the catholic system even though i'm not catholic so i i had to do bible study all up until grade 10 and then after grade 10 it became more open so grade 11 was world religions and then grade 12 was was ethics and morality so studying world religions really opened up my eyes. And there's a lot of similarities between different yeah. creation stories. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, not forcing kids to necessarily believe one thing, but saying that people do believe in these and you can you can believe in what you want. And and there here's the science. You have to know that science is is fact. But maybe there's, you know, some type of leeway there in religion. So I think, like, the the side that would argue against that um, would say that 
Um, they'd be fine with it if science was taught as fact and that creation stories were taught as, as stories instead of as fact. I think that, like, the beef a lot of people have is that these creation stories, um, depending on your viewpoint, are not stories at all. Like, they are, they are fact, and they are, they are presented as such. And, and, like, laws protect that ability. I kind of feel like that should be the case. Um, because it seems like, I mean, even if I don't believe it, like, I can count on my fingers the number of times I've changed somebody's mind by calling them an idiot who doesn't know anything. And it's not to say that laws that prevent people from um, talking about these stories do exactly that. But I guess the point is that you can't really compel people to believe something they don't want to believe. All you can do is invite them to. And so I feel like laws that tell people you must teach these as facts and these as not facts. Um, I mean... It seems like it would be a long-term detrimental, maybe. But then I guess you could argue that, like, kids, if you, if they're brought up in a system where science is facts, then maybe, like, it's it starts to become part of their core belief. I don't know. Does that make I sense? I mean, I can see that being dangerous, too, because, you know, kids who aren't exposed to religion, I find are a lot less patient with people who are religious. And I think mm. it's important to respect people's religious beliefs because, you know, that's how they not just how they were raised but you know there could be some truth to to what their religion teaches and it's i think i think it is really important to expose people to ev everything and have them decide as they as they grow older what they want to believe in so you're right i think it is dangerous to to pick one specific creation story or religion and say this is fact or even with science I think it's important to just lay it all on the table and say this is what we have learned through different cultures, through science, through different religions, and, and let people really make the decision themselves and, and have conversations about it because it's important to be respectful of, of other people's beliefs. Yeah. And that you feel the same way? Or um, I mean, saying science is fact is problematic to me. So, okay. like, there's so many theories um, that have been debunked. So, I I just think there's so much unknown that we're not we're not comfortable saying that it's an unknown. So mm. we just have to find the best can you give fitting me, answer. Can you give me an example of a like a like creation? Like, how do we get here? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is the purpose of life? What happens in the afterlife? I don't think anybody knows. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, it's like, this yeah. is what makes most sense to me. Yeah. It would be, like, science, spirituality, religion. Well, I mean, I think you're right. I think that scientists um, generally have a tougher time saying I don't know. I think, like, the worry that I think they're trying to defend against is, like, that we go from I don't know to like all ideas become equally valuable or useful. Um, and it doesn't seem to me like all I, and it's not to say that I want to shut down ideas that I don't hold because I acknowledge that I am wrong mostly. Like mostly you don't know, you don't know more about the world than you do know. And so like I am riddled with blind spots in my thinking. And so I try to be aware of that all the time. But to me, um, teaching Maybe not science facts, quote unquote, um, so much as critical thinking is important. 
Um, like, I think that the best we can do is go with what is probabilistically true, like what's most likely true. That's all you can ever do. And then you can update your models and figure out what's more likely over time. And that's what the process of science is, is just updating models to predict likelihood. But that, to me, seems like the best we can do. So I, I would say that maybe science isn't facts per se, but it's probabilities. And like the the quote-unquote facts that we've collected are the probability, like the most likely probabilities that we have about the world. And that's the only, like, there's not a better strategy for living than that, maybe. Does that make sense? Yeah, but just like back to the the root question of, you know, should we be teaching creation stories in schools? Yeah. Or prohibiting it? I'm just like, really? <laughs> yeah. There's so, especially well, in, I guess, Ontario, um, there's so many like different alternative schools and there's a lot of schools I didn't even know about just yeah. to happen to walk in or be invited. I'm like, wow, this is niche. I yeah. just think there should be space for that. I can't see a uniform education working for everybody that's okay. scientifically based. Should um, science use sexy headlines to get attention? Like click clickbaity quote-unquote headlines. Yeah, not sure. Go for I, it, Nat. Yeah, I think they should. Um, clickbait, any headline needs to, just like the title of a book, you want to get people's attention. <clears throat> I mean, you shouldn't lie to them. <laughs> Have them read it and say, this is a freaking waste of my time. <laughs> uh, but I don't see why you can't have sexy headlines for science. Why can't science be sexy? Yeah. The only, yeah, the only thing I worry about with sexy headlines is <laughs> if it not, not not devalues, but makes people take it less seriously. True. Like with certain with certain um, studies or like specifically, I'm thinking about like climate change and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking like, what if some scientist publishes something, and especially now in the sea of like people who are not believing climate change, if they see sexy headlines, is it just something they're going to use to be like, oh, this isn't even being taken? Like as seriously as it yeah. should be. Yeah, I mean, there's always a risk in that. Like, I mean, I so I've worked at the Ontario Science Center for like 12 years, and I, so my favorite people to engage with were the people who obviously did not want to be there. They were bored out of their minds. They're like, "This is a field trip, and like, if you try to teach me anything, I will cut you." Like, they did not want to be there, and they were my favorite ones because, like, if you can get them, like, if you can get their eyes to like bulge out of their head, they're like, "Oh man, I didn't see the world this way before this." Like, that's a satisfying feeling. And so, to get their attention, I had to do, like, the more or less the live version of clickbait. Like, I would blow stuff up or light things on. Like, it's still very much a part of who I am. I blow things up and light things on fire, and I set people, like, electrocute people. Because if you don't get people to care about, like if you don't make it immediately relevant to them, then they don't have, they don't care about it. Cause like I gotta get my, I'm trying to get my kids to soccer practice and I gotta like hold my marriage together and not get fired from work. And like my neighbor's driving me nuts. His dog keeps shitting in my lawn. I gotta, I'm trying not to kick the shit out of him. Like they got enough, enough other things to worry about. And so it's like the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You gotta kind of get their attention with it. But there's the real risk because, like, I think that's the problem with climate change is when scientists don't acknowledge that science changes over time. You try to write a sexy headline and people eventually get jaded and they stop listening. Uh, I want to ask one more question before we go. 
Um, what is weirder, uh, penises or vaginas? They're both obviously very weird. Which one is weirder of the two? You gotta take a hard stance. I'm gonna ask you for your, <laughs> your hard I'd stance. Say, okay, I'll say a penis is weirder. Yeah. Uh, and if you include like the ball sack. Yeah, ball sack, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to agree that the penis <laughs> is weirder. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why? I agree. By the way, penises are definitely weirder. Um, I want to thank you guys both so much for sharing your thoughts. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm gonna let you guys get on your merry way, and um, yeah, um, I guess we'll. I don't really have like an outro yet. I guess we'll just trail off like last time then. I'll just, one of us will stop talking and then. Same Same But Different is a monthly podcast and a production of Science Everywhere, an event and media organization trying to build science culture. This podcast was produced by the Same Same But Different team, Anthony Morgan, Samantha Fernandez, and Alan Collier. Never miss an episode by following us on Anchor FM and Spotify. Has anybody ever described to you like just looking at balls? <laughs>